My name is Tom Chick, and you are listening to the Quarter to Three movie podcast for The Watch. I am here with, let's see, Christian Minzaski. Uh, you should know that man's name, because that man's name is me. I'll get to your name in due course. All right. And with a tagline. That, that, that was my runner-up, by the way. <laughs> That's what I figured. Kelly Wan, these are inside jokes for people who have seen The Watch. You may or may not uh, be one of them. That's why I don't get it. Well, hopefully you do have for us, ladies and gentlemen, Kelly Wand with a tagline for The Watch. Watch parts? Hmm. <laughs> is that a phrase? Maybe that's not even a joke, is it? Well, watches do have parts. It's actually a sentence. That's true. You did get a verb in it. Well, that's that was what I was... That's the joke part, but then... There's no other part. There's though. no other part. It's like a it's like a unilateral, like a single level of meaning, just the joke. A single entendre. Wait, there's not some famous phrase that ends with, oh, but honey, your watch parts are showing or something. Nobody says that. Victorian. Uh, I don't know. I've never checked. <laughs> Let's talk about the watch. We won't spoil it in case you haven't seen it uh, yet. Dingus, what do you mean you haven't checked? I don't understand that either. Uh, do you smoke after sex? Oh. See? That assumes a lot of things. <laughs> so, Dingus, without spoiling anything, that, that you know, for people who may not have seen The Watch and don't want to really know anything exciting about it yet, why don't you tell us a little bit about what it is, what happens, maybe who's in it, for instance. All right, well, this week we saw The Watch, previously known as Neighborhood Watch. Hmm a 2012 American science fiction movie about a group of regular dudes who get together to police their neighborhood and wind up running into trouble. The watch was get directed a wine by... watch. Wine. See? See? Wine. See what happens there? Watch parts. <laughs> Wind parts. The watch was directed by Akiva Schaefer and written by Jared Stern and then written by Seth Rogen, Ampersand, Evan Goldberg. It stars Will Fork... Tay, Jonah Hill, Rosemarie DeWitt, Ben Stiller, Vince Vaughn, and an uncredited actor from Watchmen. The Watch is rated R for some strong sexual content, including references, pervasive language, and violent images. Mm. All right. Wait, a reference is dirty? That's like, a, like oh, it's got a reference in it. It doesn't say yeah. dirty. It's, sexual content isn't dirty. Why did you say dirty? Well, I just I just thought you meant any reference to anything. Not well, it's just it's it, the the uh, the parent advisory is not about nudity. It's just about references, sexual content, including references to, for instance, things from Nickelodeon shows. Right. Yeah. So reference with an F, not a V. Watch parts. <laughs> uh. uh. The watch opened with thirteen million dollars. It's opening weekend, uh, which I actually meant to check. I don't know if it's better than Ben Stiller's last comedy. 
uh, Tower Heist. That was Tower Heist. Uh, right. I think that opened a little better than The Watch. I could be mistaken. Ultimately, I don't care. We'll get to that in a moment. Uh, Metacritic, which gauges the average rating of reviews that use numerical ratings or letter grades or what have you. Uh, the Watch comes in with an average of 35 on Rotten Tomatoes, which gauges the percentage of reviews that are positive, of all the reviews of the watch, 15% were positive. All right. Yeah. <laughs> but 15 people went, it's genius. We don't know how many people. We're just talking percentages. And we don't know how enthusiastic. Just ultimately, Rotten Tomatoes decided, yeah, that's, that's an endorsement. That's a thumbs up. That's a positive review. I don't know about 15 people, but certainly 15% of all the reviewers were like, yeah. was it even 100 people, or was it like four people and 15% of the four people? <laughs> the watch did open wide, uh, so I'm guessing that every major publication has reviewed it that reviews movies. Uh, so I'm guessing way more than four people. Yeah. But we're not even part of that. Oh, so good Lord, no. People. It's, it's just a ton of people. You know, maybe with the, the people who don't actually professionally review movies. Uh, well, actually, that's not true. So there's a there's a company called, oh, rats. Is it Cinemascope that uh, that polls just average people who go to movies, most of whom have, uh, I don't mean this in a disparaging way, but most of whom don't really have high standards. Uh, the And it, and it ends it up... It ends up getting a, a, a letter grade, and most movies get like a B, because that's what people do. They're like, yeah, it's okay, I give it a B. I'm uh, average, the, yeah. the, the watch, uh, C+. Plus. <laughs> From so the even, average viewer. Right, the average viewer wasn't even given it an average. But wait, C+, plus is above average, though. You're saying a B's average for the average viewer. The average viewer is, I think, <laughs> above average to Cinemascape, those little, is Cinemascope, Cinemascape, what the heck is the name of that organization? I'm, I can't remember the name, but yeah, they things tend to be, like, the, the people they pull tend to be pretty forgiving and enthusiastic, even about things that don't review well. What about the below average viewer? And do we take their view seriously at all? Uh, well, you know what? If you're a below average viewer, uh, write to us. Let us know what you thought. At kellywand at gmail.com. Did Kelly yeah, just say that B is average, therefore C plus is above average? <laughs> Kelly Wand, I give your grading skills a C minus. Uh, what percentile, though, Tom? I only can understand your percentile. Let's see. I want to see if 15% of us loved it. Let's find out. Yeah, let's get that. But first, we're going to spoil it for everybody listening. So if you haven't seen the watch, you want to see it, and you don't want to know what happens in it, you better split get out of here because kelly wand why don't you give us a detailed account of the happenings in the watch wait you got to set me up with and what would you call that if you were to do that by the way you could just go kelly wand you could just go oh you mean a blank and then insert name there oh yeah but usually you say a fake one like you but you think it's going to be and then i correct you gently Kelly so should, yeah, he usually does clubs. that, as in never. All right. Oh, you mean the watch this? I was going to say watch I was actually going to request a watchopsis. I was going to request a partsis. <laughs> Give oh. us one of those, yeah. <laughs> watch parts. Everyone used to say that, I'm telling you. In 1833, it was... Dun, 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 dun. It was the come in of the 19th century. Watch this. <clears throat> Ben Stiller plays a guy who's shooting blanks with the wife. He sits on 90 different city subcommittees that he founded, which is probably at least partly why, but I guess isn't the point of the movie. 
I'm barely interested in clubs where I'm the only member. Despite this, and even though he knows everybody in the town and has it divided into sectors, he doesn't know the Vince Vaughn or Jonah Hill characters yet. His efforts to make a black friend are going nowhere, but he's making good inroads with the elderly Korean widow who's always washing her car. Euphemisms. Ben Stiller's day job is to not blow up Costco. We know he's good at this because for a security guard, he hires an, I guess, illegal till today alien who brought a joint to his citizenship exam and his citizenship exam to his tattoo parlor. The Mexican guard, even though this is Ohio, celebrates his first night of legal work by smoking pot and riding a big wheel around the store and watching wild things in HD. Since I've lived in Canada for five months, I barely remember America at all, but I suspect he'll fit right in. Or he would have, but an alien kills him. More specifically, it does something off screen, so he shoots it a bunch of times. But guns have no effect on aliens, except sometimes, for a while, depending on the joke, but it kills him. I guess takes his skin, since we find out later they steal our skins to pose as us, even though they're a few feet taller, and have different eyeballs and voice boxes and hands, and I guess leave the skin bodies behind for the cops to find. These aliens will fit right in, too. I guess Ben Stiller was really close friends with the Mexican guy, or decides he was when he sees the corpse, and no one else in town was, because he's the only one to bribe a kid $20 to let him interrupt a high school football game to get adults there to go to his neighborhood watch meeting at his house the next night to solve a security guard's murder. Even though Ben Stiller's on all those subcommittees, nobody's in whatever the town's name is again falls, shows up to his thing except Vince Vaughn, Jonah Hill, and Dean Lerner. They decide... See, Tommy's the only one who'll get that joke. It's sad. Well, I was I was bummed out that Dingus didn't include him in the cast because I wanted to hear how Dingus said his name. But you know, we'll oh, get I bet, to that. I meant to. I looked I looked up how you say it too. Well, let's hear it, Dingus. Let's hear that. What is Dean Lerner's actor's name? Uh, Ayoade. That'll do. <laughs> That'll do. See, that's a cool name, actually. It is. You look at it, and you don't want to say it, but then when you hear it, it's kind of melodic. Anyway. They decide, even though his speech got them here, that he's a boring tight ass who doesn't have any beer, so they go to Vince Vaughn's because he has the advantages of a pool table, none of the muse, and a 17-year-old daughter, ditto. I get that Ben Stiller and Vince Vaughn are sort of reprising their Starsky and Hutch roles without Owen Wilson, except that this time Ben Stiller's the tight ass with a hot, horny wife, and Vince Vaughn's the fun-loving hedonist, but also a single dad. So it's kind of like if Abbott and Costello were both medium weight and only slapping themselves. And on that date, Ben Stiller doesn't approve of the other three drinking beers in his parked car while they watch Vince Vaughn pee into a can. But after they drive a kid to a police station for throwing eggs at them and Ben Stiller gets $400 in tickets, he does like it. The egg-throwing kid who has no parents or townspeople to note his passing gets comically killed by an alien. I guess for his skin, although we never see any short aliens. In an unrelated bit, Ben Stiller drunkenly thinks he ran over another kid, but luckily it's nothing we ever see or that's explained. He finds a suction cup on his engine grill, so they assume they killed a Japanese man. Then they find an alien basketball, I guess the alien was carrying, and get chased away by Arlie Ermy with a gun because they're on the sidewalk and parked nearby. <laughs> Although they're in suburban Ohio, they take the round stage prop to a nearby cow farm, stick their fingers in it, and throw up a cow that they happen to be aiming it at without noticing. Then they all individually say lines like, whatever we do, let's be serious and not have a montage about blowing up shit. 
And then there's a montage of them blowing up shit. Since the farmer whose cow they just blew up and then cheered loudly about blowing up right there on his porch never emerges from his farmhouse, they blow up his tractor, his pickup truck, and finally the farmhouse with him still in it. <laughs> I sure feel bad that Ben Stiller's impotent. Earlier, <laughs> I knew that one would kill, but I had to wait so long. Arlie Ermey somehow gets Ben Stiller's name and phone number and calls him to tell him to get off his damn roof. Obviously, if anyone's on his roof, it's got to be the most nondescript of the four guys he threw off his sidewalk at gunpoint several montages earlier. <laughs> they correctly interpret Arlie Ermey's call as a clue-slash-plot point and drive over to his place. Ben Stiller tells them to split up, so he takes Dean Lerner and goes around to some jittery shrubs where we hear sound effects vaguely evocative of an alien tearing the skin off an old man. Ben Stiller abruptly puts his mission to avenge his guard on hold to offer the alien some gum. For some reason, it tells him in English that they wear the skins of the people they murder as disguises. For some reason, it then menaces Dean Lerner, even though he turns out to be an alien soon. For some reason, even though Arlie Ermey with the shotgun and the Mexican security guard with the pistol can do shit to them, Ben Stiller successfully breaks the alien's neck with a garden gnome. Then, for some reason, he gets the alien into Vince Vaughn's basement and puts it under a blanket without Vince Vaughn knowing till they're all there staring at it, and he unveils it. Did they take separate cars back to Vince Vaughn's house? Does Ben Stiller have a key? Why not just take the bag off Bane's head before he gets on? Anyway, yeah, we have another montage. Uh, where they take pics with the alien's corpse. But like Snow White, when Vince Vaughn kisses it, it comes back to life. But instead of killing him, it hurls his stunt double into some cardboard. Then instead of killing any of them, it leaves. At least there's no imbalance between laughs and suspense. In the subsequent montage, they decide everyone they know is an alien based on their weird, unmotivated facial expressions. In a wacky twist, Ben Stiller's weird neighbor, who always makes a lot of sexual comments, turns out not to be an alien, but to be organizing an orgy. <clears throat> Sidebar is the opposite of LOL, cry in silence. Vincus <laughs> hates it. In another twist, the suspicious dude trying to bang his daughter that Vince Vaughn thinks is an alien turns out to be an alien. In another twist, the unusual member of the watch who just moved into the area turns out to be an alien. Wait, right? Yeah. In another twist, the group breaks up. In another twist, they reunite. In another twist, they all die. In another twist, JK. In another twist, Ben Stiller's no longer impotent. In another twist, Jonah Hill's no longer insane, stupid, or fat, and is now chief of police. In another twist, Vince Vaughn's John Favreau. In one final twist, it's also a montage money shot in several senses. Since he made a joke about an Asian chick sucking his balls in the first scene, Dean Lerner becomes the Prime Minister of Singapore. <laughs> <laughs> Although they solved the murder and foiled the invasion... The watch stays together, except that unlike me as I left the theater, they walk smiling in daylight and slow motion. The end. Kelly, one, that must have been a tough one to do a synopsis for. What are you trying to say? Was that bad? Or just comedies in general? Well, no. What are you going to do? I mean, again, you can just say things that actually happen in the movie and they sound ridiculous. It's awesome. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it's supposed to be funny. And then I'm supposed to be funny. And then neither are funny. I would so. say one of you was successful. Yes, you did a yeoman's effort, and as Thomas said many times, if we sit there watching the movie and think, Kelly Wan should just be reading this, it's probably not going to be a good thing for you to have to do. I think 
I'm not sure what I think Dingus was criticizing you there. I disagree. No, what? Shut up. <laughs> uh, all right, so uh, yeah, so the watch that happened. So Dingus, it was called Neighborhood Watch, right? Yep. And a, guy, a kid got shot, so they took the word neighborhood out of it. Well, that... they had a whole ad campaign where Jonah Hill's like pointing a fake gun at kids and shooting, and uh, you know, <laughs> and then the Trayvon Martin thing happened. That's the and... ad campaign. They just had to. Well, that's the early part. Of the, the, those are the sprouts of the ad campaign, and then they, they had to abandon stuff. that. Where he shoots a bunch of kids because it wasn't funny anymore. Uh, he was pretending uh, to shoot. It was just like you know the thing. It was like uh, you know you can play with guns in Twenty One Jump Street like that. It, it, it's it just was. It, I think it was kind of like the joke where they're playing with their guns in the park in Twenty One Jump Street, but because it's a neighborhood watch because of the Trayvon Martin situation. Uh, they just decided, well, this is not going to work. We're going to uh, we're going to pull this particular angle and just go straight to the aliens. See, to me, doesn't that just make the joke better? I mean, sadder too. But it's like they're making fun of dumbasses with guns being right. careless. But so. that's not exactly a, like at this point. That's probably not a good thing to be joking about. Too soon. Well, no. The problem was that this was in the midst of marketing a movie. And if it has those connotations during the the uh, ramp up for marketing, then they have to swing away from that. It's not it's not so much how we're going to feel when we get to the theater. It's it's how they feel months in advance, ramping up to this tentpole movie of theirs or whatever it is. So so they can't afford to have those connotations, and they have to swing away from them. Okay. And yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then the, this actual movie comes out, and uh, yeah, it makes and me want to shoot people. <laughs> uh, come on, surely there was at least one or two enjoyable moments for you. Yeah, Carl I like the part where they're talking about eggs. I thought that was funny. But I'm noticing I'm not anti dick jokes, but there's a lot of other anatomy to make jokes about, like buttholes and boobs. <laughs> There's buttholes in this. Nah, not I'm as many. Sti- as I'm going to stick an egg up your ass and make it hatch. I, I know that. that's technically a vagina joke, but oh, rats! I can't tell the difference. Um, forgot what my <laughs> point was. Anyway, I've never been so bummed to see an orgy scene. I actually wanted something besides an orgy for once, and there's the orgy. Uh, it reminded me. There's uh, the movie Go has a sequence. I think it's Go, where uh, William Fichtner plays a really weird character, <laughs> and they're worried that he's up to something unsavory. And you think it's going to be like a, a weird orgy scene or something. And they go to his house, and it turns out that William Fichtner, who is awesome, is part of a multi-level marketing deal. <laughs> he's trying to sell them on it. Isn't that from Go, Kelly? Holmes? Yeah, yeah. Some uh, Amway or something. He's also yeah. a police guy. But that that exact that's what I was thinking of, you know, with the Billy Crudup thing. I mean, you, this this movie is so predictable. You could see the jokes and the little uh-huh. twists, quote unquote, coming a mile away. So when they're walking down the, to Billy Crudup's basement, uh, I knew there was going to be some twist. But I was hoping it would be something like he's into Amway or multi-level marketing. Or I was just thinking of that William Fickner scene and how awesome that was. Um, there were plenty. Wait, of Billy Crudup's basement. Yeah. So Dingus, you mentioned Billy Crudup is uncredited. Yeah, yeah, he, uh, I don't know, again, I don't know how this happens. There was another movie that this just happened in, another terrible movie where uh, an actor with, uh, oh, it was uh, the Vampire Slayer movie, where um, 
Kratz. Who's the guy who plays his his uh, his rival? Uh, he had a rival, Jefferson yeah. Davis. No, no, no. The his his rival for Mary Todd's hand, and also his oh, rival. Oh, Alan Tudyk. Alan Tudyk. Thank you. Uh, he was uncredited as Tudyk. well. And I don't know how that happens. I don't know if Billy Crudup looks at the movie and goes, yeah, yeah just take my name off of it. Um, I don't know why that happens, but he's uncredited, and, and you can't see him in the cast list. And then I went searching, and it's well known that he's uncredited. I don't know why. Well, I will say that one of the few moments that, well, one of the few actors who I kind of enjoyed watching in this movie was Billy Crudup being a yeah. weirdo. Uh, so he's he's perfectly creepy. He's perfect, and he's perfectly underused. Yeah. And this is this is something that Akiva Schaefer or whoever is responsible the the uh, three guys who wrote on committee to make this movie um, they just refuse to use the talent they have properly. I don't know what the problem is, but you've got Billy Crudup doing some great stuff, and you just squander it. I would say the talent didn't seem that interested either. I mean, Ben Stiller. Huh. Ben Stiller just uh, just seemed like he showed up. Vince Vaughn just doing his typical nattering. I like uh, Jonah Hill. Jonah Hill just seemed like he was hanging fire the whole time, like waiting to get a line. Uh, I don't know. There were a couple of things where I like Jonah Hill. Yeah, but and and Richard Ayoday. Uh, can you say that again? Did I do it wrong? Yeah, oh, I think you did it right. Ayoday. I think I left a syllable out. But anyway, that fella. Uh, I think it is. I think the accent is Ayoday, but I. I would have to look it up again. Okay. Well, anyway, that fella, Dean Lerner, as, as Kelly Wan calls him, uh, I, he was the main reason I wanted to see it because I love that guy. And it, it seemed like everybody else was too busy doing their stupid little improv style comedy that he could barely get a line in edgewise. Yeah. Uh, and I just, He should have been the main character. And he's, he's like, the You know what? I would Exactly. I would have liked to have seen him. And, you know, at least he would have brought a little energy to what Ben Stiller when was. When he first shows up, he's funny. Yeah. But then they well, it's they turn him into the straight man. Well, Ben Stiller is just he's just dragging in the same unfunniness he did in Tower Heist. I don't know what's wrong with him. He seems and a, Vince, yeah. Vince Vaughn is I just feel like he's so fragile. What the hell's wrong? I don't, he feels like he's just playing Vince Vaughn. I'm just going to play the Vince Vaughn character, and it always feels like he's just about to crack, and not not. Like he's about to laugh at his own jokes. It just feels like he's so uncertain of anything he can do. That stuff with his daughter is just embarrassingly bad. Yeah. And I just don't, I don't know what's wrong. I guess he just, maybe his only capacity is to play that Vince Vaughn character. I don't know. If you look at the difference between like Owen Wilson playing an Owen Wilson character, but still playing a character with Owen Wilson tones to it, and Vince Vaughn just doing Vince Vaughn. At this point, it just feels embarrassingly thin. It feels like there's a veneer going on. It's just scary. Well, what, what my sense of it, Dingus, was that none of the actors was really connecting with each other. You know, Vince Vaughn doing that thing with John Favreau and Maid, it works, and it carries the movie, and it's fine, because they, they obviously have a connection. There's this great sense of how they work with each other. But I didn't get the sense that anybody in this movie was working with anybody else or interacting with anybody else in any meaningful way. And when the script would throw them their obligatory, okay, now you have a dramatic conflict, or now you have a makeup scene, none of that seemed to work for me. Uh, it just seemed like they didn't, you know, nobody was acknowledging or, yeah, or, or, or working with anyone else or cared about the material. Yeah. Uh, you know, Billy Crudup was funny. Uh, I love me some Rosemary DeWitt, but good Lord, what a, what a thankless little role for her. Uh, God, how do you wind up here? I mean, I, I don't. 
Well, I don't know if that's a, if that's the story of Hollywood or what. But how do you get from Rachel getting married to right. this? And she she's she's got a couple of moments where I love her in this, but then she's relegated to sitting with the cop. Yeah. Oh God, I was so bummed when she was like, "Okay, honey, you go kill aliens." I was like, "No, leave her in the movie. Have her get into an action scene or something." That's another thing too. It's such a it's such a, a pointless sausage fest. I mean, there's no female energy in this thing, uh, and she shows up every now and then. But why couldn't one of the neighborhood watch members have been a chick, for instance? Uh, you know, get some funny woman in there. Uh, and maybe it was just because. I am so, so psyched for Pitch Perfect. You know, I watched a trailer for Pitch Perfect uh, beforehand. Uh, now, which that? which actress is that for, Dinkus? Anna Kendrick. <laughs> oh. Okay. Right. Uh, but that's the thing is I, I just, Acceptable. you know, and then, and then I had to, after seeing that, I had to sit around and watch four dudes being really unfunny. Uh, and it was just so painful. Uh, and just, you know, just, as, you, as you say that, I just wish this had been the sequel to Bridesmaids. Or it, yeah, sure, I'll take that. I'll... <laughs> Wait, just have all the all those all those actors do this movie fighting They're... aliens. Sure, yeah, I'll take that. <laughs> oh, the, the bridesmaids fight aliens is your just have the have the women because I think Tom's absolutely right that not only that Rosemary Dewitt should have been in that in those final scenes since you're going to bring her along anyway, um, just have them run the thing. Damn it! I'd rather see the bridesmaids do Quest for Fire. Except in prehistoric. They go back in time. No, they just have to discover fire. They got it's a post-apocalyptic, like the divide. <laughs> <laughs> they could do. There's no telling what kind of shenanigans they could get into. But you know what? It's it's like uh uh. Well, I don't know. I was gonna draw parallels to like Hangover. Because uh, at a certain point in Hangover too, like none of them was really working with each other, and it's just it's just dudes not being funny, out. and I find that so incredibly tedious. You're absolutely right, because there's that that sequence um, where they're sitting around the orb uh, once they brought it back to Bob's house. And Bob decides to call it Lucy. And it's clear that they're just riffing. It's just, we're just going to throw out improv. And there's nothing related to character whatsoever. Jonah Hill goes on this whole thing about, I'm going to dress like a woman, and I'm I'm only going to go to second place, but I'll do it if I have to. None of their improving has anything to do with their characters, but we're just going to throw it in. And, And I just... It was just so jarring. Once the orb comes in, it feels like the movie just becomes aggressively unfunny. There were some funny moments before that. But Tom's absolutely right. Once they're in there improving, it's like, we're not going to make any connections. We're just going to spitball and throw out things like, let's call it loose. It's not going to have anything to do with anything. And and I guess Akiva Schaefer doesn't know what to do with this because he's only directed shorts. I don't know. But... Uh, so, well, you, you know, he says he's only directed shorts, but you know what he's from, don't you, Dingus? Like, you know his background? He's, a, he's a, Yeah, he's a Saturday Night Live writer, uh, who basically, I, I think, just sort of hitched his star to Andy Samberg's wagon for Hot Rod, because he directed that. Uh, and I guess... I like Hot Rod more than this. I didn't see it, and this does not make me want to see it. Uh, mm, hot Rod, I remember being funnier. Uh, is that that stuntman movie? Yeah, yeah, where Andy Samberg is a uh, Ian McShane and his dad, and he has to do his is his dad, and he has to do a stunt to pay for oh. his dad's uh, heart surgery. Yeah. Right. Um, did you guys? So I thought the Andy Samberg uh, cameo in this movie was a nod to the Quarter to Three movie podcast. <laughs> what? <laughs> It was a Lonely Island cameo, but yes, I accept. I accept your challenge. 
<laughs> uh, Kelly Wan, you didn't get so Kelly Wan, I'll just throw the uh, line at you. The cinematography was great. It's totally going to win Best Picture. You remember that scene? They were actually Wait. credited. I like how they were credited, too. Did you catch that in the credits? Yes. Ca- casual wankers. <laughs> casual wanker. <laughs> what? Uh, I barely care to find out what you're talking about. No, it's when he goes into the orgy, and there's the three guys uh, administering sexual gratification to each other, talking about movies. <laughs> uh, I, I jerk off myself. Was that the dingus analog? <laughs> uh, no. I'd rather not think about it. <laughs> uh, here's one. Also, I, I, and maybe because of, uh, so there were the shootings in Colorado, and since then folks have been uh, sort of suitably prickly about certain things, and there was a guy in, I'm just going to say this is Florida. I don't know where this was, but there was a guy in, we'll say Florida, who flipped <laughs> That's out. Good enough. And exactly, and made some threats against coworkers, and uh, he was arrested for it, basically saying, "I'm going to shoot this place up." And he was arrested for it. And it turned—I mean, it, I, whether he's going to do it or not, who, who knows? But he, he ended up being like a sort of a loudmouth, saying some inappropriate things. And when the police searched his bedroom, they found all of these weapons and ammunition and stuff. And and I couldn't help but think of that when Jonah Hill goes into his bed and flips it up. Uh, like I don't, I don't. Maybe just because of the timing, but I don't find funny this like wannabe cop guy who is kind of psychotic, uh, keeping all these guns under his bed. Like that was something that I just, I, you know. And I, then I'm it turns st- out he's not psychotic. He's no, like, I had, I had the exact same reaction when he flipped up his bed and showed his arsenal. All I could think about was that guy's apartment. Yeah. And that's just not funny to me. Uh, and, 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 you know, Dingus, like, so I'm not sure I would, like, expect Fox to change that scene or anything. And, and how could you have known when you're writing and shooting the movie? Uh, like, I, I, don't, I don't envy the position that they're in with that. It, it's like, um, it, it's like remember in uh, Men with Goats, there's a scene where a guy is shooting up a military base because he's on LSD. And that was shortly after the shootings at Fort Hood. Uh, there are just times where... You see things in movies, and you can't help but connect them to stuff going on. And it's just uncomfortable and icky and weird. And if a movie is good, if it can carry itself, maybe I can look past that. But this is just a movie where I was just so bored and nothing was happening that I that almost like woke me up. I was like, ew, that's gross and inappropriate, and it makes me feel icky, and it's not funny anyway. Uh, but I don't I don't know movies this. like that. It's, ag- it's aggressively unfunny, I think. Yeah. Uh, and and I don't, you say the whole movie's like that, Kelly. One, like I didn't find it offensive. Like I don't. Uh, it's not that. It's just. It's just. It doesn't have a position. It doesn't have a sensibility. It's just. You know how it's like Airplane did all those jokes that were very metaphysical parodies, and then later on the Meet the Spartans, those two fucking guys who write those movies. Right. They just present stuff. They just re-shoot the exact same scene and then call it parody, and that's what this movie was like to me. Did you see, uh, Dingus, I don't think you saw it, but Kelly Wan, did you ever see Attack the Block? No. So Attack the Block does a weird thing. I don't see movie titles that tell me what to do, Tom. (laughs) (laughs) Imperatives. It is the second person imperative, isn't it? Yes. Uh, Please. uh, So Attack the Block has a weird, uh, I remember seeing Attack the Block, and it, it has a similar thing where it's like, Hey, what if it's this kind of movie, but then aliens invade it? And Attack the Block is about chavs, these these thugs in, I guess, inner city London. And it was shortly after there were days and days of rioting there uh, from from these types of characters. Not the aliens, no. I don't think aliens were actually involved in that. But I remember being a little uncomfortable with that, too. 
just because of the timing. Uh, also, Attack the Block expects you to sympathize with some real thuggish characters, like early on. That's one of the things it wants you to do. Uh, and then it just adds aliens. Um, but Attack the Block, so Kelly, when you're saying there's no perspective in the watch, and you're definitely right. Like, Attack the Block at least has a definite perspective. It's showing you some definite characters, and there's some very strong characterization in it. And then it throws in aliens, and it's like, hey, how would these people react? What are they going to do? So there's more of a perspective there. There's a, you know, there's a, there's a very clear setting. There are very clear characters. There are clear reactions. Uh, they're distinct. You know, this, the, the movie's all about the situations. Uh, so even though I wasn't crazy about Attack the Block, it's just miles and away better than this paycheck of a movie. I mean, this is yeah. just people cashing in on paychecks, I guess. Jump Street had perspective, or am I dumb for me? No, you know what? That's another thing, too, Kelly Wand, is I, I mm. find you, you see something like 21 Jump Street, and I think you let your guard down. Like, I, I don't know why. I guess because Jonah Hill was in it, and Richard Ioday, uh I, I, and if I'd watched the trailer, which I didn't, I think I might have suspected this was going to be awful because I watched it afterwards, and it's one of those trailers where you watch it and you think, so those are the best jokes you guys could come up with. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you see something like 21 Jump Street, and you think, you know what? Dumb, stupid comedies can be great. <laughs> and you see this, and you realize for every 21 Jump Street, there are a dozen watches and tower heists and horrible bosses and stuff. See, to me, in in Jump Street, when those trucks are blowing up and then it, like, focuses on the ampersand, that's hilarious. But in uh, The Watch, when you see Magnum condoms flying by on fire, it's oh. totally not funny to me. <laughs> I can't explain why. One's great, one's lame. <laughs> Kelly, how did you feel about all that product placement? Uh, I have to wear two of those. One, two, three, not only you and me, got 180 degrees, and I'm caught in between. Counting. One, two, three, I'm referring to Ampersand. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're talking I didn't want to talk about the uh, movie, that movie before. Sorry. That movie it was so disgusting. You... It gave my brother a huge headache. <laughs> That's actually the best review I've heard of it. <laughs> I got to see it with my brother, and we laughed for the first ten minutes, I guess, and then it just tanked so hard that he got a headache. I thought that too. I thought I the will first say, ten minutes I was kind of into it. I go, this is going to be all right. And then something slipped, like a gear slip. The watch part slipped out. <laughs> uh, it definitely made me appreciate, Kelly Wan, your comments about Amazing Spider-Man. As wretched as that movie was, I was so glad I saw it with you guys. I'm not oh, even yeah. sure seeing this movie. If I'd seen this movie with you guys, I just would have felt bad. <laughs> yeah. If no, because the movie Batman, just goes inert. It just goes dead, and the theater went dead. Ugh. Yeah, at least Spider-Man is energetically bad. Yeah. It's, it's, it's giggle-worthy. It's, 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 it's Skyline, and yes. Dark Knight is Battle L.A. Mm, yeah, okay. By the me. way, uh, a, a, friend of, a friend of mine who... Uh, a friend of mine said a brief Dark Knight thing. You know, there's that moment in Dark Knight when uh, Dark Knight Rises when Catwoman slips away and he goes, so that's what that feels like. Uh, who's he talking to? He's talking well, to himself? Well, not only that, he's talking to himself. A friend of mine pointed out, why did he say that in his Batman voice? Right, <laughs> to himself. Yeah. <laughs> why didn't he just say that in his normal voice? You know, when he's alone, does he talk... In Wait, his... and he's capable of doing that, but he thinks, since she did it to him... Ever. Like, wouldn't he have known she was? That's ah, fucking. Stupid. And does he does he see does he see people reacting after he leaves? 
<laughs> How does he know they do that? Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, he does it, and that's why he does say that. So it's the greatest movie ever. So it's character development, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see, who's 3 by 3 is this? Uh, Kelly Wand. Have you what? talked to people who like Dark Knight, by the way? Like, uh, I, not really. I don't. It's kind of, I recommend it. You learn a lot about it. I'm just saying. Okay. Uh, it's fun to hear them talk about it. Like, yeah, hey. Like, they compare it to the Heath Ledger one, and then their voices kind of trail off <laughs> every time. <laughs> but, yeah, anyway, so it's good, though, because the sewer... Uh, it seems to me that in one of the, the main um, talking points for defending Dark Knight Rises is pointing out supposed flaws or weaknesses in the Dark Knight, the previous right. movie. Uh, so I imagine that's a lot of what, what those conversations. One are. guy was saying it's too intense, and that's why Dark Knight Rises is better because there's there's moments where you can relax. And I'm thinking, yeah, one of them, yeah, you relax for three hours. <laughs> but well, uh, speaking of neutron bombs with timers, Kelly Wand, what Sorry, is yeah. what is this way three three awesomest countdown timers? Or timer sequences, if you're going to be a bitch. Oh, really? Now Wait a minute, what? Yeah, I so said that last week. I said that last week. No, you did not. You said... I did. You specifically mentioned the timers. You did not say the sequences. Uh, you didn't... Wait, unless you're talking about the sequence of numbers? What do you mean? The sequences. Um, well, just like if there's a funny joke. He means the movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, my understanding was just like I had a three by three where it was specifically about buttons or switches. I want not the whole sequence about buttons. I want to specifically know about the actual button. I'm just this saying we're doing. You, you're just saying that you couldn't think of three, so you thought of two and then no, no. sequence. I'm guessing. No, no, no. I <laughs> did what I. No, no. I did timers, but I wanted. I thought you guys wouldn't be up to it. Please, come on, Kelly. One, we're, we're professionals. Okay, and I am the least professional. We agree on that. But I wanted the list topic to actually say awesomest countdown timers, because that's, well, that's funnier. That's what I've come up with. I don't know about Dingus. Maybe Dingus has some sequences. Uh, but I'm all about just the timers. Forget the well, sequences. Well, I, I like my timers because of the sequences, but these are my favorite timers. Right. Well, you know what? Then let's get into it. Let's start with Dingus, because he's, he's uh, introducing next week's 3 by 3 So, Dingus, you get to go first. What is your number three favorite countdown timer or sequence about a timer or timed sequence in a movie? I see what you're trying to do, non-fake physical gesture boy. Or and I'm not having one word more about this, <laughs> whatever that means. Or camel with a timer on it. <laughs> what? what? I don't know, Kelly Wand. I don't know what he was doing. Yeah. See, you think I'm the weird one, but listen to this guy. Does that sound racist? All right. Dingus, weird guy, what is your number three choice for the awesome? Are you sure he goes first because he's the topic haver? I know we've only been doing this three years, but I'm so confused about that. Yeah, so the idea, Kelly Wan, is that if you introduce the topic, if it's your topic, you go last because that gives everyone else a chance to scoop you. To make fun of you. Okay, right. That's how I get your pick. If it's something where there's an obvious number one pick, which is the case with this one, and I'm sure you guys are going to get to Armageddon before I do, but if there's a situation like that, the then movie. there's a countdown to Armageddon. You'll see. Don't pretend you guys don't have Armageddon on your list. That's not a phrase. That's not like watch parts, something everyone says in daily household appliances. Kelly one, you'll get your chance. You just you mm. just uh, you just cool your jets. You hang fire. 
Nicholas, what is your number three choice? All right, I have a quote from it. Ah, good. What is quote it? Quote from the timer. Here we go. Yep. 13 yes, seconds. Yeah, 13 seconds. Yes, sir. The ship appears to be run by a computer. It is the only thing that is speaking. Kelly One, this sounds like something that you would know. Star Trek. Oh, yes. God. Which one, Kelly One? The oh, motion yes. picture, because there was only one of them. That's why they, it's called the motion picture, because there's only one Star Trek movie. The one with the bald chick. No, no, no. Which I believe was what the was the title after the colon, the one with the bald chick. <laughs> Star- no, not that one. No, of course not. This is Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock. Which was directed by Leonard Nimoy. Did you know that? Yeah, he was in search of Spock. Get it? Yeah, I get it. So this is from 1984, and um, the specific countdown timer is the timer that is counting down to the Enterprise self-destructing. And you see this great little digital readout, and between every number flashing, you see a little flash of the Enterprise. And this is a huge countdown timer because it means that the Enterprise is going to be destructed. And I love this countdown timer because this because of the sequence. Oh God, Kelly Wan wins. Uh, so uh, Kirk uh, gets ambushed when he goes back to the Genesis planet by um, a Klingon commander Krug. Yeah, Klingon commander Krug, Christopher Lloyd. And uh, the Enterprise gets uh, ambushed and disabled. So um, Kirk pretends to surrender. But then he initiates the self-destruct of the Enterprise. And then he uh, gets the whole skeleton crew of the Enterprise beamed down to the Genesis planet. And then the boarding party of Klingons victoriously beams to the Enterprise and runs up to the bridge. And um, the leader of the boarding party, who I think is named Torg, but I could be pronouncing that wrong... (laughs) Goes in, and uh, and uh, uh, Klingon Commander Kluge says, uh, "Who's there?" And and, uh, and Torg says, uh, "The ship's run by a computer. It's the only one speaking." And so Kluge says, "Let me hear what it's saying." And of course, the computer is saying, eight, seven, six, and you see the counter flashing behind him on that screen with the flashing of the number and the and the little image of the Enterprise. And then, of course, uh, Commander Kluge yells, Get out! Get out of there! So it's not, the, with Tom. it's not the timer, per se. It's the, the sequence that you No, uh, no, it's, it's the actual timer. I like those numbers and those pictures of the Enterprise. <laughs> the numbers 8, 7, and 6? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love those numbers. Those are my favorite numbers. Of Have all. you ever seen the number 8 represented in a movie quite as suspensefully? Uh, in the prequel to the movie Seven, I did yes. Wait, that would be six. Six. Oops. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, eight hey, was. What's he talking about? Who knows? All right, so uh, Dingus has rolled out a little Star Trek to uh, uh, to wet our palates. To well, I was going to say to appeal to the nerds. Dude, Kluge and Torg were my two favorite Star Trek characters till uh, the whales in the fourth one and uh, <laughs> that land chick. She was a great character, too. Also named Torg. Kelly Wan, is it okay to pick for a 3 by 3 choice a movie that you maybe haven't seen? Yeah. Okay. It's encouraged. Because I don't think... You know what? I guess I've seen this as a kid. 
because I was trying to think of specifically timers, not sequences. Sequences are fine, but I, I wanted to think specifically of the actual timer. And we've seen so many regular digital timers, and that you know, nothing special about that, unless it's like from the movie Armageddon. But we'll we'll get to that in a moment. Um, but so I was trying to think of things that weren't digital timers, like we've seen a million times. And the one that I thought of. And I guess maybe I have seen the movie because I vaguely remembered as a kid being kind of freaked out about it or a little suspenseful about it. Um, and I really need to see this movie. But there's a there's an hourglass in Wizard of Oz, isn't there? No? Uh, uh, doesn't, yeah. Doesn't the Wicked yeah. Witch use an hourglass? And I'm not even sure what it's timing. But I seem to recall it figures prominently into something suspenseful or something that I dreaded. Like, I, I have some weird childhood memories of, like, that being a, a subject of dread. I think it's how long till they kill Toto or something. Whoa! They're going to kill the dog? <laughs> Unless she gets them the head of the Wizard of Oz or something. That sounds kind of dark. I think you might be thinking of a different movie. Maybe it's The Lion. You didn't look it up if it's your choice. Well, no, because it made me think, you know what, I really should go ahead and see Wizard of Oz, and I didn't get a chance to. But I did remember I did remember the hourglass. I did a Google image search for hourglass Wizard of Oz, and there's a picture of that old lady with a big old hourglass. And I was like, yeah, that. I like that. I'm going to pick that. Um, so I, it, there's something in there. I don't really know what it's timing, but I just vaguely remember as a kid sort of dreading when the sand runs out of the top part of that hourglass. And, you know, that's not a digital timer. Like, how many movies, maybe, I like, I can't think of... She wouldn't have left Toto with her. That's that's stupid. I can't be right. Yeah, my, number, my number one features one, but I'm not going to tell you what it is. Features an hourglass? I couldn't hear. So, your number one thing is you're saying is an hourglass? It features an hourglass, yeah. Ah, good, okay. Well, then, you know, well, then we'll table that discussion for when we get to your number one. Because I just wanted to think of things that weren't digital clocks, and that hourglass, for some reason, just bubbled out of my childhood subconscious whatever uh so there's my pick uh all right so kelly wand what is your Not number sure i feel about this why you said it was okay you told me before i said it that i could yeah plus kelly wand there's a wizard of oz i don't know remake reboot nod there's some wizard of oz movie sam coming raimi. out is it sam raimi yeah the thing with james off world of warcraft for the thing with james franco is a sam raimi movie i think so Oh, wouldn't that make sense? Because he's been in the last three Sam Raimi movies, give or take a drag me to hell. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, maybe there'll be an hourglass in that one. All right, so Kelly Wan, what is your number three pick then for a favorite countdown timer or timer uh, sequence? No, I didn't do that. That would be weak <laughs> and Star Trekky. My number three is uh, in Outland. I remember that the guys show up an hour early. So it's like all the numbers switch to like zero 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 zero. Like it's they have to come in off the uh, the assassins have to come in through the concourse and like above the door where they come in. It's like there's that gigantic timer, which I thought was really funny because like oh the ship's coming. It's, you got to know to the second when the thing was going to dock at the uh, bus track. <laughs> and they get there an hour early, and even then it doesn't matter. They they break the time limit and just come in an hour early. Yeah, so he's scrambling around already because he thinks, Sean Connery thinks he has like another hour. But then it's like, <sighs> but they don't know it's an hour early till the thing lands, which I thought was kind of weird. Because you'd think they'd know an hour before that. Okay, we're going to be there an hour early. But then he just finds out it's an hour early, like three seconds before. 
They saved an hour just by landing. Quicker. Uh, did you know that... Um, Fascinating one. <laughs> did you know that, that Outland is a remake of Stagecoach? You mean High Noon? <laughs> high Noon doesn't have a timer in it, though. Uh, does Outland hold up? <laughs> Three o'clock uh, high. Three o'clock high does. Ah, well, yeah. Oh, that should be my number one. Wait, it still can be. Thanks, Dingus. You're welcome. Number one. That's my number three, though. Someone else talk. Does Outland hold up? No. Oh, okay. But the timer does, the rest of the movie. I always always fast forward to the timer and still pause and then watch it for two hours and then take the DVD. Uh, But come on, how can it not hold up? So it's a remake of a Western. It's got Peter Boyle as the bad guy. It's a Sean Connery in like a space mine, right? Mine. Yeah. Come on, isn't, isn't it, it awesome? Francis Sternhagen is Francis Sternhagen is the nurse, right? Yep, she patches him up. Is it directed by Peter Hyams? Who directed that? Yeah, it's pretty Peter. sure it is. Yeah, yeah. Eric Kellyland, I'm going to reject your answer, and I'm going to assume that it's still awesome, and I'm going to watch that. That's right. It, it also has the awesome like that. It's awesome take on like space physics. You know, where when your suit pops a leak, you blow up. Like I don't, I don't know if that's realistic, but I remember being freaked out by that as a kid. How yeah, do you know I like not? that. How do you know it's not? I looked real? it up. Oh, please! Scientists don't know. They'd have to float someone into space and test that, and they're not going to do that. I saw a movie with that in it this morning, where somebody went out into space and blew up. Like they're no, where they where they talked about that. It was I was at the National Air and Space Museum this morning, and um, and I got to see this great IMAX movie called Hubble 3D. It was just awesome. I, I'm sorry, it was awesome. And it was just this 3D presentation of how the Hubble telescope got into space and got repaired all those times. And it had these these astronauts talking about changing out the uh, boards, and if, if, if they had sliced their gloves, how they would have died, how they the, their oxygen would have leaked out and they would have died. Nobody talked about exploding. They just talked about how they would have died just in matter-of-fact terms, but with fear, well, with the obvious understanding of fear. Uh, and Anyway, I just I'm sorry, I just... This, also, this movie was so great, and I'm sure it was rated. I'm sure it was rated PG, so you can't have astronauts admitting that they're going to explode like overripe melons uh, in that situation. That's true, though. <laughs> so wait, Tom's saying that rating should have been stricter if what Tom thinks would have happened, <laughs> if, if the suited toward would have been what they'd said verbally. Uh, don't in in sunshine. Don't people do like an open space transition from one ship to another? What's the movie where they have to? No, they do it in sunshine, but but he he leaps across and freezes, doesn't he? Right, like the the threat there isn't that you're going to pop like a melon. It's just that it's freezing. Right, right, right. Yeah. And Event Horizon, I think there's one too. Well, those movies aren't as realistic as Outland, of course. That's true. Because in Outland, they're miners, space miners, right? They're no, my not young people. <laughs> Kelly Wand. Ingus, what is your number two awesomest countdown timer or sequence in a movie? And maybe right, you have a line for us. I've got I've got more than a line. I've got a bit of dialogue. For ah, Dingus, let's have some dialogue. For a line and a dialogue is nothing like. He's going to do a whole scene for us. Dingus, uh, whenever you're ready. It hasn't learned. Is there any way to make it play itself? Yes. Number of players, zero. Uh, that's C-3PO. It sounded like your C-3PO voice. I thought it was not. C-3PO voice was his normal voice. 
Because <laughs> or was it Kurt Russell playing chess in the thing? It's War Games. Fucking Thank you, oh. Kelly Bond. Right, right. All right. So this is not a conventional timer by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, the timer I'm choosing is the ten-digit sequence that uh, Joshua, you know, the Whopper Joshua, has to decode in order to launch missiles for the second time to annihilate the uh, USSR. And I love this countdown timer because I just I love the way these numbers are ticking down these ten digits, and one freezes when he gets it while they're getting him to play tic-tac-toe against himself, and uh, the the female officer there is yelling out the numbers. You know, he, he's got 10 now, and he's able to launch the launch codes. So this isn't like the standard like clock timer or, or digital timer counting down. It's a series of numbers that freezes every time Joshua gets another. He's just basically doing a, ha- a brute force kind of hacking attack to hack this launch code so that he can launch the missiles for real this time in the second attack on the USSR. And I, I love this, this, this particular use of a countdown timer because I was looking for different ones that weren't just uh, a bomb counter counting down. Uh, that dingus sounds like a hacking puzzle in a video game. It is. I don't, I don't actually, like it. It's actually Minecraft. <laughs> that doesn't have hacking puzzles. Oh. Uh, all right, you know what? I have war, I have war games here. One of these days, I'll I'll be seeing that movie. So uh, thanks for spoiling oh, that part of it. War games? No, I did. I just don't remember it. And some people have uh, spoken warmly about it recently, including Dingus. So warmly uh, about it. You know what else I want to see? Uh, what's that thing with uh, the kid from ET and Dabney Coleman? Like Cloak, oh, and, Cloak da- and Dagger. I yeah, like that isn't that still good? Is that is that or War Games a better movie as, as far as holding up? War games. Really? I remember my dad being really upset by Cloak and Dagger. We went to see that together. Um, and a little kid shoots somebody, and that really upset him. He's like, that, that shouldn't happen in a movie. He probably had a good reason. The little my, kid? Yeah. <laughs> Who did he, shoot? Uh, he, he had a good reason, but my, my, I remember my dad being very upset that... that what about Treasure that, Island? that the filmmakers portrayed a little kid using a gun and, and killing an adult. Um, Dingus, I uh, recently, yeah, every now and then when I'm uh, just like working or doing whatever, I'll just open Netflix and just watch some crappy movie. I'll have it running in a window. I have no idea how I came across this. I think I was just like going through their horror movies, looking for like 80s horror movies I'd never seen. Uh, and I came across one called um, Bloody Birthday. And I'm like, oh, I'll, I'll click on that and see what hmm. that is. That sounds intriguing. <laughs> it did. <laughs> and it, it's about it's about these three evil kids who it's not even really a slasher movie. It's just about these evil kids who go about like killing people. And and one of the things they do is they take a gun. You know, they get their hands on a gun, and they don't like their teacher. So one of the little kids goes up to his teacher holding the gun, and the teacher's like, don't don't play with your toy guns in here. Uh, and he shoots her. Uh, and, you know, they hide the body, and they do all these, like, murders and stuff. Uh, your dad would have hated that, Dingus, so don't... What about the visitor, remember? Yeah, well, she's an... You know what? It's very much like the visitor in that they have a creepy-looking blonde girl as the lead evil kid. And during the obligatory moment where they have to, you know, explain the science behind what's going on, uh, someone who is reading uh, star charts... You know, she's she's a, an astronomy enthusiast. She points out that when the little blonde girl, when she's doing the little blonde girl's chart, that the little blonde girl was born during an eclipse 
in which the sun and the moon were blocking Saturn. Oh, and, and and that explains <laughs> why she's so evil. <laughs> Is, uh, oh that particular configuration. Wait, that's the science part. That's the science part of the movie. It's awesome. Fuck you, Saturn. <laughs> Take that. Mr. Rings. Saturn's the evil planet, I've always suspected. Well, no, it's, it was blocking Saturn. Even so though maybe... Venus is the devil, it's like that's the one name. That's, that's love. What are you talking about? No, it's Lucifer. It's like the name of uh, something. What? Venus is the goddess of love. What's the matter with you? No, it's the devil, too. I forget from what. Venus is the devil? Yeah, Venus is the devil. Venus is the devil. No, it is not. Neptune is. Good God. Yeah, that's the underworld. Listeners, if you know which planet is the devil, <laughs> please type comments. <laughs> that Kelly one is the planet Diablo. There's a Stephen King story. Oh, God, I already hate your... Right. About to say. <laughs> it explains the science of what I'm talking about. <laughs> and Carl Sagan also will back me up. He knows which planet's evil. And I'm sure Carl Sagan will also explain to you what happens when a spaceman's suit pops. You he get... You right. You, st- you you pass out from lack of oxygen. But it's actually, it's not cold. You explode. No, um, that's only on Io when you're mining. Uh, <laughs> oh, very good. Is it because isn't that where Outland takes place? Yes. It's Io, Moon oh. of Jupiter. Very nice. That's also the devil of moons. Even though Venus <laughs> is the devil. Yeah. Uh, let's see. The number two pick for most awesomest countdown timer. In Tom, a please don't mangle my syntax. That's what I'm for. <laughs> According to Tom Chick, the number two pick, uh, I had not, again, this is something I saw as a kid. I remember the scene freaking me out, uh, and I went and rewatched it on YouTube because I found out the movie was like one of those over two and a half hour long, turgid disaster epics from the 70s. It was not Irwin Allen, as I thought it might have been, but it was directed by Robert Wise. um, And it's a 1975 movie called The Hindenburg. And the Hindenburg is mainly it's it's a it's a it's a Titanic from the 70s. You know, it's this long, long story about all the passengers on the Hindenburg. And in the very last part of it is the Hindenburg blows up. But whereas the Titanic took a while to sink, the Hindenburg took literally that that thing, by the way, literally burned up in like 30 seconds. You know, from the the time the flame started at the tail of the Hindenburg and the time that the whole thing was just down on the ground, burned thoroughly 30 freaking seconds. Um, All the humanity. Very good. Uh, but anyway, the uh, the according to this movie, because nobody really knows why the Hindenburg caught fire, but according to this movie, it was sabotage, and it was, a, it was a bomb. So in this movie, George C. Scott, playing, by the way, a Luftwaffe captain, you know, he's a freaking Nazi in this movie, because it's a German balloon, uh, he is investigating a threat to blow up the Hindenburg, and when they finally go to Moore in Lakehurst, he is chasing down, like he has a, a kerfuffle with the terrorist bomber dude, um, and he finds out where the bomb is. So he goes, and he finds it. It's sewn into the fabric of the Hindenburg, and he cuts open the fabric with his knife, and he pulls out. The, the bomb is just a little, it's, a, it's hidden in the handle of a knife. And he yes. opens it up, and it's a little tiny thing, this bomb, uh, but the timer in it is just a wristwatch. And it's not clear from looking at the timer when it's going to go off. Like, is this imminent? It's just the hands. Like, going around, there is a little notch, but is the notch there for the minute hand or the second hand or the hour hand? You know, what? looking at it, and, and I don't think George C. Scott's character knows either. The audience doesn't either. And there's just a scene of him holding, looking at this bomb, 
and it's it's tiny, and he's running his fingers along it, and he just gets to the part where you turn the hands on the watch, and he pulls that out. It's the little tiny mechanism, and he's futzing around with the hand. Like, it's not a diffusing scene. He clearly doesn't know what to do with it. He's just messing with it, and it goes off, of course, which you know it's going to do because this is the Hindenburg. Right. And, and they do this goofy 70s thing where it's just a, it's like a smash zoom to his eyes, and the, the film goes orange. Uh, and it, it shows somebody like a stuntman being flown backwards, who's somebody who had just walked up to George C. Scott. Um, but the weird thing is, from that moment on, the movie's in black and white. It blows the color out of the movie because they, <laughs> they, they intercut it with the actual newsreel footage of, of the Hindenburg. But I just remember that 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 watch, and I remember as a kid being freaked out by the fact that it blew up, because you're supposed to diffuse those, but going back looking at the scene, just how it's a countdown timer, but you have no concept for how long it has before it goes off, and he's futzing with the watch hands, which, did he set it off? Did it just reach the timer? Who knows? This uh, sounds fucking stupid to me. It, it's it's no not... Sense. No, it, it sounds awesome to me. I just can't believe Tom watched this movie. No, 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 I didn't. I didn't. I, I watched it as a kid, and I yeah, well, that's what I mean. The, the final part of it is on YouTube. You can see the last ten minutes of, of Hindenburg on on YouTube, and, and that includes the scene where George C. Scott is futzing with the knife handle bomb, and whoops, it goes off. Uh, so he did it because he's an idiot. His character. Is. Basically, yes. Yep. That that's the implication of the movie is that he. Why did he get the, it out of the fucking hydrogen? Exactly. You know what? Why not climb to a hatch or whatever they have in the side of it, or just cut a hole in the fabric and chuck it away? Uh, and no, he sits there, and it's a long sequence where he's running his finger along it. And there's even, by the way, over on the left of it, there's a little switch that you flip, and he's he's flipping it up and down. Like that's how he's gonna check out this bomb. Is he's gonna? One of the switches says detonate. <laughs> it doesn't say anything, but he's definitely flipping it. Uh, like he's that's it's the it's the worst defusing sequence ever. See, if uh, I watch that now, I go, oh, see, he's the he's the double agent. He's trying to set it off. Based on my interpretation of the Dark Knight Rises ending. <laughs> no, I don't think. I think he's a good Nazi. Like, uh, Well, actually, you know what? If I'm not mistaken, so the, the terrorist who sets the bomb, played by William Atherton, is a, uh, the idea is he's disgruntled with the Nazis. He's like a former Hitler Youth member who is so happy with the Nazis. Right. And the Nazis did suck, of course. And so he wanted to blow the Hindenburg up to discredit the, the Nazis, and George C. Scott was trying to foil this. So George C. Scott was actually like, you, you know, he was like in bed with the Nazis. He was one of them in this movie. You know, your lead character, pro-Nazi. William Wait, Atherton? From Die Hard? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man, you, 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 you cannot stop me from wanting to watch this movie. Now. Well, Dingus, have you seen Sugarland Express with Goldie Hawn? No. Oh, he's awesome in that. Like very, that might have been his first movie. A very young William Atherton in Sugarland Express, and isn't that Steven Spielberg, by the way? Yes, it's for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. If you if you're if you got a hankering for some young William Atherton, uh, Sugarland Express is worth. Well, I I do, but but the way you describe that whole sequence is it's all just a mistake. Is I mean that's just great. Yeah. So Hindenburg, uh, but you know the 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 preceding like two hours that lead up to this, where it's all Three the. Up. Yeah, it's all just like the the stuff about the passengers and their lives, and you know, it's just this oh. long bloated movie that I I can't imagine. Like, get it? It's like it. <laughs> <laughs> I remember watching the thirty second black and white footage and thinking, God, this is taking forever. <laughs> what of the Hindenburg? Yeah, it takes forever, dude. 
What are you talking about? That that's like a fascinating. Uh, that just as a kid, I mean, blimps are cool, but just you know the the the. the I give it a C plus compared to. Uh, <laughs> Kelly, on what disaster is more iconic than what? Than the Hindenburg going down. Mm, does the destruction of the pyramids if that happened <laughs> wait a minute when did that happen well it would be cool well the thing is i mean the thing nowadays like you know we think of 9-11 and the twin the big bang are iconic because <laughs> because all that stuff was filmed you know we we've all seen that even if we weren't there these days when things happen you know they're, they're captured visually but these old things like the titanic there's no footage of the titanic going down 9-11 is uh, kind of cool and well, the Nazis I, sucked. <laughs> These are the worst quotes ever on the internet. But the thing about the, the thing about the Hindenburg is because it was you, you know it, it was this prestigious way to travel back then, uh, and there it was all, an explosive gas. That's the part of it that seems retarded to me. Like, can't you at least make it float without or with more? With well, they eventually did. No, they eventually did, you know, with, like, helium versus hydrogen. Uh, There's safer ways to do it. Um, But the thing about the Hindenburg coming to New Jersey then was it was like a big media event. You know, this was, in a way, it was Nazi propaganda. It was, was, uh, you know, this German line that was sailing these Zeppelins around the world. Uh, They were a big deal. So there were all of these newsreel cameras there when it happened. So we do have that famous footage, that that newsman who said, oh, the humanity thing. Like, listening to that... You know the oh you, the humanity line is is a trope. I mean that's kind of a cliche oh, now. But when you listen to that actual newsman, when it when it actually and because it's a thirty second thing, like that's some pretty powerful stuff. You know you, you've got a guy yeah. on the radio seeing this horrible thing happening and reacting to it, and it's such authentic emotion. Um, you know, play we don't, clip is, is we don't have uh, clips of like. Vesuvius and stuff, but if we did, maybe that right, and that's what I'm saying is, you know, it was sort of the dawn of when we started recording these things, and it's uh, and and visually too, because we don't have blimps anymore. Like blimps are almost mythic. I mean, that the, the just the visual of that thing hovering in the air is pretty amazing, and it's not something we see anymore. Um, For the sake of symmetry, there should be a Goodyear blimp showing on its side a picture of a cameraman exploding on the ground. Mm, too soon. Also, another good title for the movie, based on what you said about the George C. Scott scene, would be Watch Parts. <laughs> Very good, Kelly Wand. See what I did there? All right. I didn't set my sleeve, Tom. Very nice, Kelly Wand. So, Kelly Wand, what is your number two pick for awesomest countdown timer? Escape from New York. Because it's a really convenient one. It's, like, super big and cumbersome and wristy. Uh, and what is it timing? It's timing till uh, the thing in Snake Plissken's neck blows up, but he has to get the president's nine-fingered corpse back to the X-ray machine in time. Nope, not the corpse. They don't care about the president's corpse. Oh, that's the cassette recorder of uh, Ernest Borgnine's favorite song. Too soon. It'll stop nuclear war. Yeah, too soon. <laughs> nuclear fusion. <laughs> But we know nuclear fusion doesn't happen because Escape from L.A. happens. And in that one, it's the same shit. He has a different timer, but it's not as cool looking. And then it turns out the poison's uh, a red herring. And he's What's a Escape from L.A.? What's that? 
not familiar with it. Too. Escape from New York. Yeah, not familiar with this Escape from L.A. thing you're talking about. I don't. They had a timer that was specifically designed just to count down the 48 hours needed for the mission. They had that was, line around. Was there a sequel to The Dark Knight, Tom? No, I don't think so. I think they stopped. There was a prequel those. called Six, I remember. Kelly Wan, was there a sequel to 2001? Yeah, 1941. It was Spielberg's first movie. <laughs> <laughs> did, did Peter Hyams direct that one? 300 is the prequel to that. What? <laughs> Fingers? So sorry. Uh, all right, so Kelly Wan, your number, your number two pick was which Star Trek movie again? What was it? <laughs> the one where Mr. Spock gives his life or saves his life. So, by the way, I think Escape from New York does hold up. I haven't seen that in, uh, I'm sure, maybe five years. But that, that's that got to still be, like, like great, campy, fun. Like, like, right up there with something like Big Trouble in Little China, right? Uh, yes, yeah, definitely. And, and listening to those commentary tracks holds up, too. Yeah. Just for no other reason than hearing John Carpenter smoke like a fiend during them. <laughs> Uh, all right, so Kelly Wand, uh, a little escape from New York. Dingus, what do you have to top that? For my number one? Mm-hmm. It's got it's apparently an hourglass. I know that much. All right, so, yes, it, there's an hourglass involved, and I have a quote from it. Okay, so I think I'm going to guess this, because I, I have two data points from which to guess. So what's the quote? Data point. All right, here's the, <laughs> here's the <laughs> These are the sands of my life. Accept them, and the spider will have no power to harm you. But what? your own life runs out with the sand. Oh, good lord. Is this Prince that... of Persia. No, I think it's the Star Trek where they put the bug in Chekhov's ear or Scotty's ear or something. No, that's not is a that... spider. Oh. Maybe it's these, Spider-Man. These are the sands of my life and the spider won't sands hurt you. What? Spider won't hurt you. Dune. Wait, no. God, uh, it uh, sounds awful. I'm pretty sure I haven't seen it. It does sound like a terrible movie. And we'll be really bummed to even have to listen to him talk about it. Scorpion King. <laughs> <laughs> it's his number one pick. Yeah. But you know Dingus. You know even Dingus better than I. Uh, uh, Kiss of the Spider Woman. Wow, that would be awesome. Who are Kiss of the Spider Woman? You mentioned a spider. I'm just thinking now of things with spiders in them. Uh, I don't know, Dingus. Oh, uh, 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 did they talk, is there an hourglass in the Hobbit movies? Because there's a spider in those. No. No. I don't know, Dingus. Yeah, I don't think either of us has seen they this. They don't say things like sands in my life. And I know, thing. that's true. There's like no gla- sand in Middle Earth, you crazy bastard. <laughs> Where do the men of the East come from? Uh, Rumpelstiltskin, hump. <laughs> Dingus, nobody knows this movie. Very notable landscape. All right, have you guys ever heard of a movie called Crawl? Fuck yeah, bitch, I breathe that shit, yo. Apparently not. All right, so Kroll, uh, directed by Peter Yates, who also directed Breaking Away and Bullet, by the way. Um, there is a, a widow of the web, and she's been exiled to the web of a giant spider, glass spider, uh, because she murdered her child. And the only reason she stays alive is because she has an hourglass full of the sands of her life. And I don't know how you say his name, Emir. Uh, her uh, ex-lover, husband, whatever, uh, leads Prince Colwyn to the widow (laughs) to get information on where the fortress is, because the fortress moves in Krull, of course, and they they can't find out because the the blind... But anyway, anyway, so they they all go... go Honey, are you going to bed soon? (laughs) The widow of the web... Um, 
And he goes to find out this uh, this information, and in order to let him escape the web, she gives him the sands of her life. So the countdown, the specific countdown timer, is the sands that of her life that he holds in his hand. And as long as the sands exist, he will be able to live. And while those sand, as soon as those sands run out, he's dead. So the countdown timer are those sands of the hourglass that he holds in his hand. And Dingus, this is better than the hourglass in Wizard of Oz? Uh, since you've never seen Wizard of Oz? Yes. <laughs> uh, all right, is Kroll hold up? No, it's a horrible movie, but it, that that idea is awesome of, of a guy who has to... Uh, he has to get the information back to the hero, um, and he has to hold sand in his hand while he does it. And if, and as the sand runs out, his life runs out. And that's a great countdown timer, the, 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 the hourglass sands that he's having to hold in his hand. And as, of course, the hourglass runs out, or, the, or as the sand runs out, he dies. Why doesn't he just turn it over? Because he, she, she has to break the hourglass and pour the sand into his hands. He's holding them. He's holding the sand in his hand as he escapes the spider web and as he runs across the the plains to go meet his. Why doesn't company. he just put it in like a plastic baggie or something? Why just uh, throw a watch true. into the blimp? He only has sandwich size baggies and they ah. eat snack size bags. <laughs> because you did not actually watch Crawl again, did you? Uh, not this week, but I watched it. For some reason, uh, best weapons. The last six months, it might have been the might have been most weapon. Yeah, Isn't crawl the name of the planet? No, it's the name of the weapon. No, I don't think it is. Think uh, it's, it's the name of the character. Which one is crawl? And is crawl a verb? And why is Dingus not answering me? The watch crawl. It is the watch crawl. <laughs> crawl right. is the uh, is the glaive. The glaive. Is oh, it, it is the weapon. It might be the planet uh-huh, where Tom knew what Kroll was. No, I don't think it is the weapon. I think it is the, the it's the it's the moving fortress. So anyway, like Tom, I I was really thinking about different types of timers, and I was trying to think of hourglass timers, and I kept thinking of one where the hourglass sand runs out and somebody dies because of that, and and finally today, Kroll jumped into my brain. So number one, Kroll. <laughs> That's it. how it moves. When you think of it, a leap. Uh, I, I think it's no Wizard of Oz. Uh, and now I got. I want to find out what's going to die or what's going to happen when the Wizard of Oz timer runs out. So I feel like Dingus did his homework way better than I did. Um, but you know what? I can't believe none of us remember. Well, you guys have seen it. I mean, that's I. I haven't yeah, seen. Yeah, but I read the books, so they make me forget what I saw in the movie. All right. That's my excuse. I know too much, Tom. Not I see. Right. What's your problem with a lot of things, Kelly Wand? Is it? <laughs> uh, so it also has a balloon in it, but not a watch. Wizard of Oz. Wizard of Oz has a balloon in it? Yeah. No, you're, you're thinking of the uh, the remake. You can't so I've watched it. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I was watching some trailer because I'll watch a trailer until I know it's something I want to see. At which point I close my eyes, and I'm watching some trailer where James Franco, it's black and white, gets in a balloon, and I'm like, "What the heck is this silly thing?" And then it turns out it was that Return to Oz deal. Uh, so there's a balloon in that one as well, Kelly Wand. Mm. Makes sense. Yeah. Uh, all right. So I'm very disappointed. Neither of you guys picked Armageddon for your number one pick because that's, you know, they've just got that big old timer back there. Michael Bay knows how to make sure it gets in the shot. You know, he stands Billy Bob Thornton in front of it, uh, and it's Is a that your number one. 
Yeah, it's the timer till the end of the Earth, till uh, you know an asteroid the size of Texas hits the world. <laughs> oh, you That's, know they, they have a timer for that. Yeah, they said it as soon as you know. Uh, Billy Bob Thornton so, might even say something like, "Give me eleven hours on the big clock," or, or you know, it's not eleven hours; it's however many days. They they set you know. Michael Bay is a very visual filmmaker. I'm not sure if you're aware of that, Kelly Wand. Texas is a very visual uh, <laughs> analogy for the size of something hitting the earth. Yeah. Is, what do you like specifically about that timer, Tom? I like what it's timing. I like how big it is. <laughs> he likes I, what I, it's timing. Dingus. I like the you like the, not the numbers, right? I like the sequence. I like who's standing in front of it. I like the uh, colons between the hour and the minute. Yeah, and it might even go down to tenths of a second. And you know what? You know, actually, I might even. I can be, see why. Aren't there two of them? We have one well, tenth of a second left. To there, there are many timers in Armageddon. There's even a timer where a, a nuclear weapon is going to blow up unless William Fickner can uh, disarm it. Once again, little William Fickner in our podcast. You can never have too much of that. Timers within timers. So that's right. There's a bomb that uh, you know that they're going to use to blow up the asteroid, but NASA is convinced, and they lose communications briefly, that the astronauts won't be able to dig drill deep enough. Uh, and by the astronauts, I mean the world's best deep core drillers, won't be able to dr- drill deep enough in the asteroid to set off the bomb. So NASA is like, you know what, we're just going to, and not even NASA, Keith David, like the, the president of the military or whatever they call it, Joint Chiefs of Staff, whatever he is, he's like, you know what, we got to blow it, just, just det- remote detonate the bomb now. That's our best chance. So uh, they set that off, and William Fickner has to disarm it. And it comes, uh. down, it comes down to like 2.45 yeah, I of a second. But the thing is, it's one of those sequences, a disarming sequence, where there's literally a 50% chance that he could have killed them. It's one of those things where he doesn't know if it's the green wire or the blue wire, and he's finally like, screw it, I'm doing the blue wire, and it turns out that was the right one. So we came this close to having the Earth destroyed by an asteroid the size of Texas if it wasn't for William Fickner correctly choosing the right colored wire. So that's so a toxin out of it. Right, right, right. Well, that's the thing is it's about, you know, it's about characters making interesting decisions, just like Dark Knight. You know, that's what makes a good movie. And William Fickner has to decide, I'm going to go against my orders and I'm going to disarm this bomb. You know, he's willing to sacrifice himself. It's a big theme in Armageddon's is, you know, the noble sacrifice. And he's willing to do it. And by the way, the only reason William Fickner doesn't stay behind, doesn't count himself as one of the candidates to stay behind and manually trigger the bomb is because he has to fly the shuttle. But he would be willing to do it. He turns out to be a good guy. There are no bad guys in Armageddon, which is another asteroid. selling point, except the asteroid. The asteroid. Which is another selling you. point. Right. And there's not, a, there's not a line of dialogue that shouldn't be in that movie. If you were the bad guys. Maybe. When, there's no convenient villains is what I'm saying. Liv Tyler. There's no Bane in that movie. Right. Exactly. It Dark Knight Rises is about people not making uninteresting decisions. <laughs> <laughs> Very good, Kelly Wand. Wait, I have another good one, but no, maybe not as good as that. But in Armageddon, yeah. they would have had. There should have been a sequence where they blow up Texas for practice to make sure it'll work. <laughs> that doesn't. Yeah. They yes, should have. They should have dug up Texas and hurled it at the Earth. Just to right. See it. They should have thrown it at the asteroid. It's exactly the same size. And it's a Texas-shaped hole. The world's best Texas diggers. And Mexico's all what? What are you guys doing? <laughs> we'll explain later. That's how Billy Bob Thornton talks. <laughs> That would have been an Armageddon worth seeing. I like it, Kelly Wan. Can you can you work on that as like a prequel? Get get Imbe on the phone. 
Do they evacuate Texas first? No. Yeah. All the Texans are going. They don't evacuate the asteroid first. <laughs> uh, and Kelly Wan, can they uh, just maybe attach Florida? Just throw it in as a bonus. Um, this isn't about politics. Even though It's shaped like a gun, so it fires Texas. You're talking about Deep Impact Tom. That's what they did for. <laughs> Deep Impact Tom. That's porn what they call me. Um, That's yeah. my porn name, right? Oh. All right, so Kelly Wan, what then is your number, if it's not Armageddon, what is your number one pick for the best countdown timer in a movie? The real Armageddon will have a, an awesome timer. But uh, my number one's Alien because... It's like, it keeps, it, she has the timer going. It's kind of like, I'm sort of stealing your thing where it's like a fake timer inside the timer. Because then she's like, wait, I've changed my mind. I don't want to evacuate the ship. So she has to push the uh, Shasta cans back inside the whatnot. <laughs> it's all, sorry, you fucked up. You're two seconds late. Now you have ten minutes. JK, nine, eight. It's like a woman's voice. Which implies a former crew member. So it's mother, isn't it? Mother, yeah, mother. Yeah. Oh, that's mother's voice. Yeah, of course. Uh, well, no, because she doesn't. You don't hear her voice in mother the the room. In the mother room. Ah, right. You might have a point. Well, but yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's grandmother. Is Ripley cussing her out as she's running and saying, "Yeah, she's all fuck yeah," and then she starts throwing shit at the TV screens because she. Because that is mother. Back, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mother. The, the alien's probably going, I just have to sit back and watch Ripley keep <laughs> fucking shit up in that room. It's taking a nap by that point in the story. It put, they, that's what I meant, that's another thing about the alien timer, is it right. puts the alien to sleep. <laughs> it makes us scared in suspense, but it's just eaten Veronica Cartwright, Tom's female actress, uh, <laughs> Kodo. So then it's all, uh, t- countdown timer, fog machine, nap time, shuttle. <laughs> So it's like a lullaby. It's a lullaby. Uh, and Kelly, one, how does this tie into uh, Prometheus? There's a timer in it, <laughs> but the donut shape. Oh, never mind. Uh, runners up, anyone? For, you know, people uh, are going to say on the on the yeah. internet the Goldfinger one because it stops at 007, which is kind of cool. But ah. I always thought it was kind of a shitty one. Because James Bond doesn't stop it. It's like some other dude just comes in and goes, no, James. And, like, <laughs> and he just hits on that number. Yeah, James Bond is George C. Scotting that thing. And then comes, what's his face? All right. Is there is there a countdown timer in um, Hurt Locker where uh, the guy they think is a terrorist but who isn't has a countdown so. timer attached to him. I don't think in, Kurt, in Hurt Locker, like the the threat is a, a remote detonated. No, no, but at the end there is that timer. The guy's on a timer because then Jeremy Renner goes, "No, I can't do it. I can't." Oh no, the 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 vest bomb. The guy in yeah. the vest bomb. Right, right, yeah, right. Yeah, is, okay. That is a timer. Right. I just don't remember what it looked like. I I couldn't remember that either, and I was away all week, so I couldn't access any movies that I own. Maybe I'll see the yeah. Hubble thing. And I remember the the wonderful timing sequence during re-entry in Apollo 13, Uh, but I don't know, yeah, during Armageddon re-entry, during Apollo 13 re-entry where there's, but I don't know if there's there's an actual physical timer they look at. So, How do they count down the time that Dennis Quaid has to live in DOA? Does anyone remember? Because uh, that's the movie where he's poisoned and he's got three days to live to find the murderer. Yeah, yeah, I don't remember. All right. 
How about the uh, how how does Joker uh, count down the fairy timer? Clocks. It's very it's analog. Just, it's very it's analog. just clocks. Yeah. He uses right. watch parts. <laughs> no, they're clocks because there's the clocks on the fairy. By the way, it's one of those things where. Uh, and people who complain about Dark Knight on this level, I don't think understand movies. But it's it's one of those things where the clocks. The idea is, you know, this according for the suspense to work correctly, the clocks on both fairies and where the Joker is holed up and where uh, I guess Gary Oldman or the cops or whatever are watching everything have to be synchronized down to the second hand. All right. <laughs> like you watch them because you know in real in the real world, not Gotham City. Clocks can vary by a couple of minutes for the most part. We're not all attached to the Internet. And certainly those analog clocks aren't attached to the Internet. Uh, but, yeah, the Joker fairy sequence is all about analog clocks that are supposedly synchronized. So the position of the minute hand and the second hand is important. Yeah. Also, time runs faster a couple miles up. So if you uh, up the asteroid, <laughs> you'd see it before you heard it. I get the sense that you're making fun of Armageddon. I was zoning out. <laughs> Davis, did you watch Armageddon this past week? Uh, the question isn't did I, but how many times did I? How many times did you watch Armageddon this past week? None. Mm. All right. Uh, I'll loan you my Criterion Collection edition, if you like, because there is one of those of Armageddon. Can I borrow that one and your Criterion of the Rock as well? Is there actually one of those? I'm going to say yes. Yeah. All right. And then in black, too, there was, like, Will Smith, he, he had, like, 30 seconds left, and he gets stuck in all these, like, tubes and shit before he, like, gets the timer down. That was kind of good. That didn't make your list, though. No, because that's not criterion. <laughs> uh, all right, so maybe there will be timers next week in Total Recall, by the way. Huh? What do you mean? Well, let, let's see it and find out. A remake of Total Recall. I think it's Lynn Wiseman directing, uh, the guy who did the first two, three, maybe Underworld movies. Kelly, want to know your He's still banging... Uh, his wife? You mean his wife? Probably. <laughs> Is he still she banging his wife? He didn't give up on him. Uh, we'll be seeing that. Total Recall, the remake. Not the. You know what? We will be seeing the original as well. Total uh, Remake. But I, I love the fact that one of the production companies involved in the remake of Total Recall is called Original Films. <laughs> I love seeing that logo in the trailer. That's great. The original film's logo. Uh, we'll be seeing that. And, oh, we'll also be doing a whole new 3x3. Three three. Dingus, what will that 3x3 three three be? All right. This is inspired by the movie we watched this week called, Kelly, what was it called? Neighborhood. Neighborhood Parts. All right. Um, so I, I, I felt like um, this was a... There was a lot of talent here that was completely squandered. Um, I think Tom said something about how uh, they didn't seem any more interested than anybody else. So this is your your three... Uh, I don't know how to put this. Worst uses of an ensemble. Uh, but it's it's not that. It's, it's your greatest squandering of a gathering of talent, I guess. So, so if you, so you have an ensemble. I'm, ta I'm talking specifically about cast. But if you want to talk about the the filmmakers as well as we did last week, and how they squander their talent, and how that's inexplicable to you, so this is your three greatest examples of that. So, not worst uses of ensemble, just greatest squanderings of 
of group talent. I'm not talking about okay. one bad casting decision or one actor who's misused, but where there's a where there's a lot of talent assembled and you cannot find a way to make it work. Okay. Kelly so Wong? the Garbage Pail Kids were an ensemble with refuse theme, but that's not what waste you're talking about. You're talking about squandered talent. Exactly. I'm talking about waste as in the belt that goes around your waist. <laughs> Any other questions, Kelly Wand? So what he's saying, and it has to be three of them. So this is your worst use of assembled talent. Like us. Exactly. Like this podcast. No, no, no. Kelly wanted it has to be a movie. Sorry. Oh, and it has I, to be I, I should, yeah. Oh, movie, right. I should point out, yeah, this is movie related. Okay, so uh, only documentaries and podcasts. Got it. <laughs> so, the, so, there, so it has to be a lot of people that you normally love and normally think are very talented and are used poorly in a movie. So, All like right. Ocean's Eleven, the original. Whoa, 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 whoa. Kelly wants to save it for the three by three. Which one? Uh, hold on, let me make a note that that's going to be my number one, two, and three. It's <laughs> 11, 12, 13. Okay, Tom, what good. do you think of this topic? You sound unenthused for you. Uh, well, no, I, I've now finished. I've got my picks. So Which I'm are good. you less enthused by? Dingus's 3 by 3 topic or seeing Total Recall? Uh, I'm kind of looking forward to Total to three Recall. 3 Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> but not Dingus's topic. Yeah, I agree uh, with I agree with the music. <laughs> no, I'm okay with Dingus's topic. I can think of horrible wastes of talent. Um, Does Step Up Revolution count as an ensemble or as a squander? So first of all, it's not any of the original Step Up people. Just so you know, you don't get any Tatum Channing or Brianna Evigan. Um, these are newcomers. Is I don't consider a canon in the Step Up <laughs> movies, so I just want to throw that out there. Tatum Channing. Channing Tatum. Dad, come on. Why do I keep Soccer Channing Tatum. Oh, no. We could have seen the step up movie. Uh, I know, but it's not canon. It's not canon. Uh, not, canon. not canon. Dingus. Uh, all right, so next week we will see Total Recall and we will bring you a three by three of worst squanderings of uh, assembled <laughs> talent. No, or sequences. That's perfect. I like, I like the way you said that. <laughs> There's places you can go with that. Uh, I am Tom Chick. I have been joined by Christian Malinsky. It's Christian Morosky. And Kelly Wand. Widower of the web. Did you, did you really not understand why we're playing this? Who, me? I never understand why we're playing anything. Either of I'm you. Just... So, come on. This, the, uh, the, Chinese... the smile? No, these. Wait, what line, Dingus? Uh, no, the Chinese girl in China. No, so the smile, you son of a bitch line in the watch is goodbye, sweet child of mine. Isn't that what uh, Ben Stiller yeah, says before he blows up the Costco? Yeah, oh, but it's already uh, made me throw up in my mouth. It, it made no sense. It's like, why is that your line about Costco? What? Why does he say that? Why? Why does he care? Oh, I just because he got it I off Harley Ermey's. Because they were hoping to get the rights for that song, as they did with so many other stupid songs. How about that NWA cover? You must have loved that, Dingus. It was hot. <laughs> why did you ask me about that band, by the way? Because they do an awesome cover of that song. You did not think that was... Did you really think that was an awesome cover? I love that so much. 
Are you serious, Dingus? Oh my God! Not for, this, that, you, not for all, this, not not the cover for this movie. The the Dynamite Hack cover. Have you never heard that? First of all, are those those guys are all white? Why would they cover an NWA song? Exactly. Second of all, it's awful. It's racist. It's uh, yeah, and racist. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're, you're in my wheelhouse right now. Racist. Wait, you really? You were lying. You really like that cover? I, I don't know. Is that my hack your... cover? It's awesome. Yeah. You have to oh. love the original song first, but that that cover is great. Kelly Wand, where do you stand on this? Wait, is he talking about the album cover, like the picture on it? <laughs> That's what I thought you could. <laughs> know how uh, I see something every week that makes me happy I live in Canada or something? Uh, oh, like Canada. Like, maybe an anecdote about Canada? Well, just something I saw going by under my office window was uh, yeah? I saw an angry unicycle. <laughs> I've never seen How him. could you tell he was angry? He was like, whoa, fuckers! Were... He was super pissed off and yelling at people. Those were only in mythology. Wow. Stranger than fiction. Well, Dingus, we podcasted again together. Here's the thing. I'm not going to go past second with Kelly, but if I have to, I will.